All right, now we got some lights on that compressor. Now we got a few. We got it going on. Know what I'm saying? I, I need to fix that a little bit. Just a tiny bit. Just a skosh. Just a, just a skosh. No, no, zero lights. What the hell's going on? Okay, here, I got some lights. Uh, some lights, I'll take some lights. Some lights sound good. Hey, everybody. Mark D, IT guy, dad, nerd, blah. You know the drill. I'm actually sick of this. I've done this how many times in a row? Seven times in a row? Seven days in a row. I've done this for a week already? That doesn't sound right. That sounds messed up. I had to have missed a day somewhere. Either that or I'm missing movies that are just horribly miscounted. Very, very, very possible. But I'm here to talk about history of the world. That's what the script told me to watch, so I watched it. And... I think that similar to Men in Tights, I really like History of the World Part 1 by Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks film. Written and directed, I believe. I would know if I, uh, yeah, writer and director, Mel Brooks, soul writer. And this movie's kind of not living great in the ratings. It's, uh, you know, 50 whatever percent, I believe. And that's not great. Mel Brooks is iconic. Metacritic has this at 47, by the way. Obviously, Blazing Saddles was a big deal. Genuinely. Silent movie, I thought, was very good. However, some of the later stuff, not loved. Not loved. And I I love History of the World, but I understand what people mean sometimes. And, and I some of them, I'm like, yeah, I get that. And others are like, I know what you're saying, but I disagree with you because you're wrong. So when people say that it's unfunny, I... I can definitely strongly disagree with that. Do I think it's one of the funniest movies ever? No, but when it is funny, it is extremely funny. And there are some good performances. So Gregory Hines, who plays Josephus, was like a last second casting. Mel Brooks was actually supposed to have Richard Pryor play the, the part of Josephus and... He was injured in a, in a fire. So wild, right? So they called up Gregory Hines, who is like a tap dancer and like was on Broadway as, as a child, basically. And dude comes in and knocks it out of the park. For this being a film debut, Gregory Hines had such charisma on the screen and with the cast. I was, I, I, so I haven't seen the movie in, untold amount of years. I had the VHS growing up, I believe. I had, I think, this and Men in Tights, and probably Spaceballs, if I'm going to be honest with myself. But I don't remember seeing it, so maybe it was like a, a bootleg recording or something. They were always playing Spaceballs on TV anyway, so not a huge deal. Not missing much. And uh, let me finish talking about Gregory Hines, and then I'll get into a little bit more about the movie. But Gregory Hines, just he's just showing up and and having such a great performance, I, I thought it was wonderful. And and I was watching it again. That's where I left off. I was watching this again, and I didn't remember how good he was. And then I thought about it for a minute, and I was like, hey, I haven't really seen Gregory Hines in too many things. 
what's, what's Gregory Hines doing? Turns out he's dead. Unfortunate. Died of cancer, I believe. And he, um, he didn't do too, too much. He, he showed up in some movies and he had a, a, a show at one point, the Gregory Hines show. I think on CBS, if memory serves. Yeah, I don't know if it does. I'm asking, right? But yeah, his performance as Josephus in the, the Rome segment, vignette, sketch even, if you want to kind of be insulting, was, was great, was wonderful. Very, very funny. And his, his physicality was also very good. There was, um, you know, there's a part where in the fight in the throne room, or the whatever, I don't know if they had a throne room per se, but in front of Caesar. And his fighting, I, he was, I think he was impressing the stunt people. If they were even stunt people, they might have just grabbed some grips and put him in costume because not all of the performances were great in that respect. But there was some stage fighting and things like that, so you know, they're ostensibly were stunt people and they should have been stunt people, you know, so I'm, I'm assuming he was, he was kind of impressing the stunt people. I think they were expecting much less from him. And from the vibe that I got from the last minute cast and things like that, I don't think that they ever rehearsed with him, probably. You know how I, I, I said in Mandy, you should never let the kids watch? Well, you should never let the kids watch because this is, this is by far, I think, well, I don't know about by far, but definitely of the movies in this set that I've seen so far, this is by far Mel Brooks's horniest movie. This movie is so horny, and I don't remember it, like, sticking out as much. <laughs> no pun intended, that, that actually worked. Um... But I don't remember it being so obvious, so apparent. And I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, bro, this movie's horny as hell. I, I, it, it's super horny. I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's it's not like, okay, it gets, a, it gets pretty bad. I don't know. I don't know. You would probably need to be older to watch this. I don't think my parents have ever seen this movie. And they're like, oh, it's Mel Brooks. Don't worry about it. We'll buy it for the kids. It, the movie is super horny. Like, holy shit. I forgot how horny it was. I wonder if maybe the last few times that I saw it, I saw it on TV. Where they had to cut all the horniness out of it. Because it's super horny. You get like a 40, 48 minute thing out of this if you cut it all, all the horny. What's the running time on this? The fuck's the running time on this movie? 92 minutes. You could probably get 48 minutes if you cut out all the horny. <laughs> it's really horny. I just, I don't know how else to say it. it. It is extremely horny and sometimes it's weird. Mel Brooks is like this 50-year-old man with running around with, you know, this 20-year-old girl or, or whatever. And... In this movie, in particular, putting his face in their breasts, and it's a whole thing. There's no nudity, per se. You don't see any of the bits and the bobs, but there's definitely more than a little bit of sexual contact and, and sexual content. But this movie's horny as hell, and, you know, was he mad at his wife? 
is that where all this came from? He's like, the fucking my wife so doesn't want to, I don't know, is mad. She was flirting with a guy. I'm going to make a movie where I touch all these young women. Is that what happened? Just what on earth? Genuinely, what on earth? I don't know. I haven't looked up Mel Brooks. I think I'm going to do a Mel Brooks retrospective at the end of this where I just concentrate on Mel Brooks, the man. Because, you know, we've seen a collection of movies where I have, and I've talked about them briefly. But what does that mean? What is, where's the auteur in all of this, right? Okay, so I guess, you know, we can talk about the cast a bit. There are a lot of repeat players. Mel Brooks doesn't necessarily go out of his way to find new people to work with. So obviously Mel Brooks plays like five fucking people. Dom DeLuise's Emperor Nero. Madeline Kahn plays the improbably named Empress Ninfo. Again, horny as hell. Harvey Corman plays Count de Money, which is one of my favorite fucking jokes. De Monet. Um, and the whole thing about getting his name wrong. So Ron Carey, a Swiftus, great time, has some great comedy moments. Not terribly integral to anything happening at all ever but i think that maybe people don't respect ron carey that much is maybe the vibe that i get or maybe he's just the guy that's like oh i'll play i'll, I'll be the fucking idiot i don't care i don't have that ego right uh pamela stevenson who was uh apparently from new zealand is just a, a bit of a vision in this movie uh sid caesar was uh chief caveman Orson Welles was the narrator. The dawn of man, right? So, you know, it's just, it's a good time. There's a thousand and one cameos. I'm not even going to get into it. These are just kind of the major players. The whole dawn of man sketch, um, it started out instantly as a, a riff on 2001, A Space Odyssey, where the apes all get up and they're jerking off. And then they orgasm and they fall asleep. Again, the horniest Mel Brooks movie. The movie starts with prehistoric ape men kind of jerking off. Then they go into like the cave stuff and, you know, they do caveman things and there's some funny jokes in there. There's some bad jokes. There's definitely a, a gay joke kind of right off the bat. As Mel Brooks does. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why. I don't get it. I don't get it. But it's, like clockwork. I don't remember a gay joke in Spaceballs, but when I get to it, we'll we'll see, right? Maybe we'll suss that out because I also watched Spaceballs a lot on TV. So maybe I'm just not remembering it because it wasn't that common to me. The whole thing with Moses, pretty funny. He's just he's taking the piss out of history initially and in, in history movies. He's taking the piss out of religion when Moses drops the tablet. It's very funny. It's a funny thing. It's a very human thing to do. He, where do we go from there? Hmm, I do not recall. Let me see. I, I can think of it. Old Testament, right? Mel Brooks. Okay. Roman Empire. Comicus. Comicus is great. That segment is flawed, but incredibly fun. That's where he meets Gregory Hines. 
and Miriam, who was played by Mary Margaret Humes. Mary Margaret Hume must have been 21 or something. Yeah, she was. Like, <laughs> it's kind of gross. It's kind of gross. He's there like, oh, and he's a, like, 50-year-old man. He was fucking diffusing bombs in World War II. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is a weird, horny movie where, where Mel Brooks is really in a position to... And, I mean, this isn't the only one. So, in To Be or Not To Be, he's actually playing against his own real-life wife. He was married to Anne Bancroft. So, I'm like... Was he mad at somebody in these movies? Was he mad at her? Did he want to make her jealous? I don't I don't know, right? But you know, it's a whole thing. People are people. Uh oh right. Uh Dom De Luis plays Nero, they go to the thing. Mel Brooks's stand up routine in Caesar's Palace, and the whole Caesar's Palace thing being a joke and them actually being at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, very funny. I love that shit, and I've been to Caesar's Palace, and it's pretty great. If you like, you know, the super hotel, awesome restaurants, and just kind of bullshit everywhere type thing. But Mel Brooks's stand-up routine there is stellar because it's cheesy, but it's like a a Poconos comic going on to like Johnny Carson kind of cheesy, where he's playing it up. He's playing it big. He's like. Uh, you know, he's being big on stage and he's really trying to get the reaction and the, some of the jokes are actually pretty funny and, and the performance is good and it sells it, right? And there's the anachronisms and stuff like that and, and you know, then he fucks it up as, as one does. And, you know, maybe that was supposed to be a bigger part of the movie, but it didn't, but it, it seemed expensive because they had to build a bunch of stuff. So maybe this segment took a lot more resources and, and things had to get cut out of other places and all that. The movie's not terribly long. It's not trying to keep you there forever. And, uh, it's really good. They go to Judea and they are in the, the, the last supper, which is hilarious. Cause then Leonardo comes in and he's like, everybody to one side of the table. And it's, it's all the, the jokes tend to play to stereotype. And when I actually clicked on on the, the Metacritic kind of thing and people were like, oh, they're mean. I guess that's what they mean or what they imply or what they, the meaning they desire to, to convey is that a lot of jokes play to stereotypes and stereotypes can be mean. I don't, and I, I just, I, I have to kind of think about it because sure, some are mean. Uh, he definitely uses the F word again, you know, and that's, that's a, a bad word now, but was it as bad back then? If you kind of meant it jokingly, I don't know. You know, I don't, the caveman stuff, not terribly mean. I don't know if you can even be mean to cavemen. I don't know if that's, that's the thing, but basically he makes them kind of dumb. But like smart dumb, it's a, it's it's smart dumb. A lot of it is smart dumb, and and he'll make fun of dumb people. He talks about Unix. Or does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Nero is just an asshole. Does that mean? Because Nero was an asshole. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe in the French Revolution it gets more mean. 
because it's not terribly mean from, from memory right now. You know, if somebody wants to pop in and be like, well, here's a breakdown about how all these jokes are mean as hell. I will definitely read that, and you may be right. But I won't know until you tell me. At CoolMarkD on Twitter. Cool with a C and Mark with a K. Cool, did I say Cool Mark C, man? Fuck. Cool Mark D. So yeah, you know, hijinks ensue and, and getting out of Caesar's Palace or getting out of Rome is potentially, and I say potentially because there are some big movies in this collection, but I say that potentially the best Mel Brooks jokes happens and it doesn't fit in anywhere and they, I guarantee you he put it in there because he knew that it was a fucking awesome joke and there was just no way to make it work in the context of narrative. But it's the, uh, <laughs> it's the fucking, um, it's the Oedipus joke. The Oedipus joke is the best Mel Brooks joke, in my opinion, at least definitely in recent memory. In, in recent memory, I've seen several movies. I don't think it's going to get topped. There are a lot of good phrases and things in Spaceball that I love to death, but this is a this is a structured joke where it has a, essentially a setup and a punchline, and it's just in movie form, and it's the best. It is the best. If you haven't seen the Oedipus joke, I'm sure you can go on YouTube, type in History of the World Part 1 Oedipus or something. I guarantee you it's available. It's the best fucking joke. It's the best one. Anyway, after Judea or Rome, they go to Judea, then they go to the Spanish Inquisition. Not mean. Very, very funny. So this is Mel Brooks' song and dance. He loves this shit. He is in love with song and dance, and it is trying at times because that's not a thing that has aged very well and you can do it now you can do it in a more modern way la la land did it in a more modern way and a lot of the bullshit around la la land was people being mad about how their life resembled nothing like it and it was all fabricated but it's also a movie so it can be it is by nature fabricated unless it's a documentary and even then you can shape a lot of the narrative in a documentary, if you do certain things certain ways. And documentaries definitely are saying something. They're not actual just boring documents, because no one would watch that. You could get 80 hours of a documents of a protest or something, but without cutting it together and, and creating a narrative in the documentary, you're not making anything. So documentary is not objective. Documentary filmmaking is definitely an attempt at being factual, but it is not objective. The filmmaker definitely shapes that narrative and they, they guide it a certain way and, and whatever way that is. But the, the documentary to be compelling needs to have certain things going on. It has to have changes in, in status and pace. Usually you follow the one person or the one group of people and they through their trials and their tribulations and you have both their their successes their failures so on and so forth i wouldn't be surprised if the hero's journey is not the the basic template like you can go to after uh, you know premiere and go to like oh i want to make a new hero's journey documentary i'm not i wouldn't be surprised if that was possible 
I know it's not. That's a that's a bad hyperbole, I guess. It's not hyperbole enough. It's half in, half out. It's like high anxiety. But yeah, no, the Inquisition song was hilarious. I still laughed at it. French Revolution? Cloris Leachman actually has a, a character that has really good comedic presence. You know, she's. I think she's very, very good, and that's why she plays all these fucked up looking characters because maybe she was never typed as that but she's very 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 funny and uh mel brooks is king louis and he's the gross like it's good to it's good to be the king he's so gross <laughs> and it's funny how he can be the gross king and then the you know the other king because he's also the piss boy and uh harvey corman comes in as as count the money and uh, Demonet, it's Demonet. And, and it's a whole thing uh, where I guess the Spanish Inquisition will take the piss out of organized religion doing things. They could have done the Crusades, but I guess they, they got into that. Well, they actually didn't touch on that at all in uh, Men in Tights. But they do touch upon the Inquisition here. And in the French Revolution, they are, are taking the piss out of... Uh, royalty or, or aristocracy i guess because royalty is kind of bullshit you know that royalty is is founded on the fact that these people are are better than you ordained by god which is the largest sack of shit i've ever heard if we were to think about that and even in the context of organized religion that we have now and and there's definitely um some interesting dichotomies or contradictions in organized religion now. So, you know, aristocracy coming of one of those is very, very telling. So he's taking the piss out of aristocracy. De Monet is just fucked up and the whole thing. And he has this beautiful girl just throwing himself at her and kind of they leave in a in a bullshit ending but it's like a funny bullshit ending and they kiss and i'm like mel why are you kissing this girl why but you know there, there, there's definitely 101 funny things that happen in the framing of all this bullshit the end of the movie though might be my favorite it's the the mock trailers for history of the world part two and it's really great. My favorite one is Jews in Space because there's even a theme song for it. And they have a song for it and they're they're flying around these uh Stars of David. It's it's very it's very funny. And as a child I was very disappointed that there was no history of the world part two. Very sad. But yeah, I still can't get over how horny this movie was. Like it was actually shocking. Cause I mean it's rated R. There's no nudity. But the people are just so overtly horny. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, well, that's unusual. That's strange to me now in 2020. The, the debauchery, the debauchery of whatever the fuck, you know. Like, we have literal a song called Wet Ass Pussy. And Wet Ass Pussy is not, is about as horny as History of the Worlds Part 1. I think. 
and I'm not doing it like on a, on a per length scale, just a peak horniness level. What I suppose he's about is horny. And I, I think the difference is we're, we're more accustomed to it now. So I can't imagine how interesting people must have felt about it at the time. Cause you know, there's obviously those, those coming of age movies and like, Oh, this movie's so horny or whatever. But these are adults. These are, are full ass grown ass adults. And it's weird. It's, it, it, is it because I still, I still feel like a kid? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm a grown ass man. And, uh, dude, sometimes I, I'm just like, I feel exactly like I did when I was 17. I don't feel any different or any more legitimate. I definitely don't belong with other adults, you know? And another thing I wanted to, to, to like look up is, is the theme of the movie, the Superman theme, or is it just like, so like it, is that like the joke that it's just like the Superman theme? Cause I think they were still making Superman movies around this time. This movie came out in 81. I think, uh, Donner Superman came out like 74 and then Superman 276 or something like that. Now, this is just off the dome. I should look that up. History of the World Superman theme. Yeah, nothing comes close. So I guess just in my head, I'm like, yeah, they're the same song. But I'm just dumb. Maybe I'm just dumb. I didn't like the old Superman movies, so I've only seen Superman 1 once, and I think I saw Superman 2. Maybe I fell asleep. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but that's been it. I've been talking for a long time, and mostly it was about how horny this movie is without even telling you that it was horny. If you want to watch a pretty horny comedy, watch this movie. I think it's a great comedy. Again, I watched it as a child. I've grown up with these jokes. The only, there was exactly one joke that I didn't get, and now I got it, and it has a racial slur, so I'm not going to use it. But it was a racial slur that I was unfamiliar with at the first time that I had watched the movie, and it doubles as another, like, word. So, I just, even after I had learned about that particular slur, I just didn't put two and two together. And and when I saw this time, I was like, oh, I get that joke now. So if anything, this was a, a fun exercise for me to, to go over well-trodden ground of my youth and to really revisit and, and re reframe a lot of this. Mostly how horny it was. It was very horny. But yeah, there's a bunch of of good 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 jokes but again it they actually broke this movie up into vignettes they being Mel Brooks he's listed as writer and director but i kind of get the feeling that somebody had to just like tell him stop but this movie is actually in vignettes so that helps it but some of the vignettes the rome vignette is longer than maybe it should have been but we do get good stuff out of it right you know, the Caesar's Palace component is great, but you needed to set up the characters and you needed to want to like them. So that's kind of it. 
that's um that's history of the world part one there is no part two there never will be the name of the movie is a joke it's a good one but it's a sad one because i do want a part two i might hate it but if it's anything like jay and silent bob reboot i will be like that was not a good movie but i loved it and that's all i can say about that mark d at cool mark d cool with a c and mark with a k did i say cool mark c again holy fuck i'm gonna play that back but i swear to god i probably said it again cool mark d and as a joke whenever i refer to the fans of this podcast i call them d's nuts because they're nuts for cool mark d and that's a bad joke and i'm sorry if that's offensive i don't actually use that in seriousness it's really this um kind of a fake thing where every everybody has like a a name for their fans like uh what the fuckers for wtf podcast or ridiots for hey riddle riddle which is very good that's a very very good name so yeah i use d's nuts as that that's really dumb on letterboxd you can find me at a mark d20 like a 20-sided die you know playing dungeons and dragons I'm going to fucking roll some bones over here and uh, fuck around and get initiative. You know, fuck around and get a crit. Fucked around and got a natty 20. Would be uh, like today's a good day. Fit. Natty 20, triple, double. Yeah, it fits. I kind of don't want to go. I don't want to stop. <laughs> it's been a while since I just sat on here for an hour and just fucking yelled. Or two hours, actually. I've, I think I've done one. That came in at two hours. I think it was American Graffiti Part 2. An hour 45 or something like that. It was wild. It was too much. It's way too much. But I don't want to go. I want to stay. I want to just be here in the moment. With, with you. Listener, with you. But everybody has their life to return to. Six Semper Gloria. Which was also a good joke. Uh, but that is uh, Gloria's Fleeting, I believe. No, uh, Sick Fugit Gloria, something like that. Sick Semper Gloria Mundi. Oh, Sick Transit Gloria. There we go. Had to look it up. Papal Coronation Ceremonies. The transitory nature of life and earthly honors. So Gloria is fleeting. How quickly the glory of the world passes away is roughly the thing. They also use memento mori. Memento mori was, well, they use the English phrase of memento mori, but memento mori was a really cool X-Files episode, if memory serves. And uh, that's when he's going into Caesar's palace and it's, or, uh, <laughs> What was it? Mark, the Mark Anthony wannabe was going to Caesar, Caesar's Palace. I forgot his name now. And the guy's like, remember, thou art mortal. And it's like, that's so weird. But yeah, Memento Mori. All right, I'm out. Memento Mori, be safe, wear a mask. Stay inside. Black Lives Matter. <laughs>